Hashtag SAFM Sound Awake. Talking trending topics now, looking what's at what's happened in social media in the last 24 hours with Atlerang Mulefe, social commentator. How are you doing today, Atlerang? Uh, hi, Asanda. I'm well, thanks. And how are you? I'm good, thank you. Let's, uh, let's go straight to it. Hashtag United Arab Emirates. Uh, so the extradition agreements between the United Arab Emirates or the UAE and South Africa are now uh, in the spotlight because these could assist uh, local authorities in ensuring the Guptas are brought to book for their alleged hand in state capture. And these agreements were signed in 2018 in terms of extradition. Um, so the first part about it is just a, uh, a highlight of how the South African government wasn't necessarily the one to, um, you know, uh, it, like just necessarily explain how this is going to work. And people only found out from um, the UAE embassy. So I think that's, uh, that highlighted a lot for me, especially when I was reading through um, the kind of information and trying to understand exactly what it means. But I do think that it means two things for a country to uh, form that international relations, because the first one is to tighten, obviously, the international relations and in making sure that they are also known in the international community and they do set a precedent that they want to hold to account um, individuals who are found guilty or individuals who are prosecuted for a crime. But the second part about it is to say that if uh, maybe a justice system of one country wouldn't necessarily be able to hold them to account, then they can be sent back to their own country. However, even though the treaty has been signed and both parties have agreed upon it, it's not something that I um, essentially support because I do think that um, when you are being punished for the crimes that you have committed in the country in which you've committed those crimes is more quantifiable as opposed to when we take you back to your country where maybe the laws themselves do not necessarily translate to the crimes that you have committed, for example. All right. Well, the Guptas is believed are in Dubai. And as we said last week, or was it earlier this week, the National Prosecuting Authority, yeah, it was last week, um, uh, announcing that it applied for the International Criminal Police Organization, Interpol, to assist uh, with this arrest of the two, or of our arrest warrants, rather, with the two Gupta brothers and their wives. So a story to follow. Hashtag GDP now at Lerang. Stats SA publishing their latest uh, results in terms of gross domestic product. And data is showing that the economy grew by 1.1%. Eh? And this is um, in the I first th- three months of 2021. That's true. And I do think that it's, um, it is something worth celebrating to some extent. But I think because the GDP itself, it's not a reflection of... Um, like the well-being of society, for example. So I do think that, but we do commend the increase that we've made in the last three months. Um, and I do think that in terms of the different industries that were listed there, um, I, I think that those who are still struggling, then it, is, it also opens up an opportunity for us to also work in those industries that haven't been able to grow that much. Uh, but for those that have improved significantly, we're also happy about that. And we do hope that in the long run, the growth of the economy can also translate towards um, opening up the industry and also just creating more jobs to a lot of citizens in South Africa. And Stats essay just uh, noting that the finance, mining and trade industries were the main drivers of output on the production side of the economy. Any surprises to you there? Um, not even. I think um, especially mining, it has been in terms of when it comes to GDP, 
Um, I, I think that it has always been the one that um, drives the GDP of the country and also even like finance. So I, I think the industries that are listed there, I'm not even surprised at all. It's something that we wouldn't necessarily expect because especially when it comes to mining itself, where we do have mineral resources to be utilized. So I do think that it is a good thing that it is actually driving the economy to a point that it, it is at at the moment. Well, another one, the banking sector registered a rise in the number of credit extensions uh, during COVID. That would be expected. Um, Financial institutions are also the biggest contributors of GDP or um, the growth of the country in any case. However, it starts to get scary when um, they do say that, you know, especially during COVID when credits and things like that. But I do think that uh, financial institutions have always been able to drive the economy. So I think my only worry with um, the GDP itself is that it's not really a true reflection of the well-being of society. They don't necessarily look at that part. So I, I do think that in the long run, then that should also be something that we can be able to um, include when we are doing the gross domestic product of any kind of, of the country. All right, let's talk now. Hashtag Joe Biden, his first foreign trip as president of the United States at the G7 summit. So uh, quite a few things on his plate uh, or his list of to do, um, but uh, also just wanting to go and, and uh, talk to you know European leaders, but also speaking of uh, competing economically with China. So he wants to demonstrate that uh, the West can do this; they can compete economically with China. It seems to be always the the goal with the U.S. wanting to be at the top uh, in terms of economic output, in terms of economic production, and uh, just being a powerhouse economically. And and China is almost like the competitor. Um, that's true because if we look at it, both the countries, um, like the especially the United States, is a hegemonic state, so they always want to acquire as much power as possible because any amount of power that they would have over China would also just give them um, that sort of rec- rec- more recognition or, uh, or credibility in the international system. And I do think that this also has a lot to do with redeeming itself as the United States because I think for many of the things that have happened, especially uh, during Trump's administration, it has to some extent affected the credibility or to some extent affected the country itself. So I do think that the travel is also just a way of tightening those diplomatic um, ties that um, he wants the United States to have with those countries, but also secondly, just trying to also fight and make sure that even as a hegemonic state, they're still able to maintain or they're still able to fight for the credibility that they have. And this is why, because China also is one of the fastest growing economies. So anyone in the international community would want to compete with a country like China. So I do think that um, they want to maintain that sort of power that they've always had as the United United States. And the best way to go about it is to challenge a country that has the fastest growing economy. Of course, uh, top of his agenda also is on vaccine uh, administration. We know that as the U.S., there's an agreement with Pfizer to purchase 500 million COVID-19 vaccine doses to be donated to 92 lower-income countries and the African Union. And this president is quite committed to sharing vaccines, which is great. But also to tackle is the issue with uh, Putin in Russia on cybersecurity attacks. What do we make of that? Because there's also quite a lot that happened with his predecessor, Donald Trump, in terms of uh, trying to get those conversations happening with Russia. 
Um, I think the first one about Vixine is largely important because during Trump's administration, um, he was completely against um, the vaccine and he didn't want anything to do. And also just also in terms of trying to share with the international community, it was something that was very difficult. So I do believe that the conversation that he's now um, initiating in his administration about the vaccine is very much important because it's going to do a lot in terms of like those international ties um, that I've spoken about, especially in the international community, looking at the power that they hold as a country itself. So I do think that if he is able to um, have those conversations and is able to distribute those vaccines and assisting other countries, then that could also be something that um, is, is important in terms of like maintaining those international relations with countries. And secondly, also, I do think that during Trump's administration, especially diplomatic ties with countries like Russia and with other, many other countries in the international community were not necessarily maintained. It was consistently ties that were broken. So I do think that what he's trying to do now is, is trying to come back into the international community and also just to try and change the perception around the United States and trying to change the perception that they have in, in the international community, which I think is something that's very strategic, especially as the president of a country like the United States. All right, hashtag stage four, ESCOM buckling under pressure as Madupi and Duba power stations break down. Load shedding, load shedding, load shedding. I feel like we should play that sound bit. So ESCOM announcing on Wednesday that it will move to stage four from 2 p.m. till 10 p.m. And these uh, reserves are required to respond to further emergencies to maintain the stability of the national grid then. That's what ESCOM is saying. So they're saying there's high demand for electricity during winter season. Also, there's additional breakdowns of a unit at Medupi and two units at Duba power station. But also, like ESCOM, we know the population of the country and we know previous population figures of the country to be able to ascertain and predict where these population numbers are going. What do we mean high demand? Like, when, when are we going to plan better? My, my chair, exactly. That's exactly what I've been saying. But also, we need to do away with ESCOM having monopoly of power over um, giving electricity. I do think that it's something that, it's a conversation that has been had so many times because if we're only going to rely on one institution or like ESCOM to be providing electricity to everyone in South Africa, then we're always going to encounter similar problems. But I also do think that they know that during winter, the demand for power is high. So um, it's very important then for them to be able to predict those things and also be able to come up with solutions on how to mitigate those things from happening. That when we do have a high demand, that they're also able to provide like the supply of electricity, because also if they're consistently going to complain and say there's high demand and there's nothing that we can do about it, um, it's just constantly going to make a lot of individuals angry. Mm-hmm. And with load shading, we know how it affects different people and how um, the way in which it affects us, then it also affects productivity. So I do think that they're not doing much about it in terms of making sure that they are able to counteract um, that high demand for electricity during winter time. I think the biggest one for me is the safety around the fact that even networks go down. You can't call, you can't be online. If there's an emergency, what do you do? That's the part for me that just, it it gets under my skin. Like, you know, I don't know what can be done about at least making sure that our networks, cell phone-wise and Wi-Fi-wise, are up. That's true. I think it's something that we definitely need to look into. And I I, I do believe that... um, it's not like a concern that has only that is like a now concern. It's something that a lot of people have actually raised for the longest time. 
But for as long as it still has monopoly of power over electricity, then it's likely it's we're likely going to get um, like that. Uh, we're likely going to get uh, results that we need from the ESCOM as an institution. So I do yeah. think that they need to do more because also not being able to call, not being able to speak to people, that connectivity problem, um, it can do a lot in so far as, like you said already, not being able to get those emergency contacts, but also um, it affects productivity, affects everyone. And so they definitely do need to do something about it. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Atlehang, and we appreciate you. A great Thursday to you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Asanda. Right, Atlehang Mulefe, social commentator, looking at our trending topics, what's happened in social media in the last 24 hours.